Welcome to the Recovering Academic Podcast. I'm Amanda, and I left academia about one year ago to become a scientific editor for grants and manuscripts and an editorial manager for a science website. I'm Ian, and I've recently left academia to move into a science communication, editing, and publishing career. And I'm Dr. PMS. I've left academia about two years ago to work as a biotech salesperson, and I'm still in recovery. We're in various phases of transitioning out of academia, and we'll share insights, advice, and problems we encounter at each stage. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Recovering Academic Podcast. Uh, I'm Ian, and I'm here with Clady and Amanda, as usual. And this week, we're going to discuss a topic that came up for me fairly recently um, and talk about transferable skills and how you identify a transferable skill and something specifically that inspired me to pick this topic for this week is like I was listening to um, a podcast um, called um, The Turnaround, which is Jesse Thorne, who's a public radio host, um, interviewing interviewers. And you're talking to Ira Glass, who hosts This American Life. And Ira Glass said something about, like, he didn't understand that something was a skill and that he had developed over the years until he saw, like, younger producers coming through to, like, This American Life and struggling to figure out. Um, specifically, what he was talking about was, like, you know, like, Ira just has this instinct for, like, this is the tape I need for this story. Like, this is what I need to go out and find and get to tell this story. And, um, you know, and he sees, like, younger producers just absolutely struggling with it because, like, they just, they don't have to develop the skill. And so I think this is a discussion about, one, like, how an academic, a PhD, can identify their transferable skills. And two, like, how do you define a skill? Because that thing Ira Glass brought up is very specific and not something I ever in a million years would have thought of as a skill and like I wonder if we're all walking around with these things that were just like what I just do that and it's actually a very valuable skill in the world in some form we just have a hard time being aware of it or identifying it until like something brings it into relief so that's what we're going to talk about today <laughs> um it sounds like it's kind of similar to, um, I think I read about it, I think I read this on Twitter, or maybe it was um, some friend of mine posting about it on Facebook, but like, what if we all had a superpower, but it was really, like, minor, like, I can, like, I always catch a green light at this particular intersection, that's your superpower, is that you can do that, or I can always find a four-leaf clover, um, and it's not something that you would necessarily think of as a superpower, but it is yours. Um, so it's yep. kind of the same sort of idea that this transferable skill isn't something that you think of as a particular skill because it's just something that you do. Right, exactly. Like my aunt, apparently amazing at picking out the four leaf clover from <laughs> a field. Like just, <laughs> and like, I mean, does that something to do? Like, I mean, again, like all of this comes to get combined mm -hmm. to like how you live your life and genetics and like all of these accidents but, like, you know, apparently if you're good at just sort of, like, I don't know, like, seeing the whole field and then zooming in on something very specific, you know, like, like that's a skill. Like, that's, yeah. you know. Well, it kind of um, reminds me of I have a very, very mild form of synesthesia. Like, not the um, typical thing, but I associate numbers with um, feelings. 
Oh, yeah. Okay. Hmm. So, like, I didn't know it was a thing. I thought it was something everybody did. Like, I associate numbers and letters with, like, feelings. And so I thought it was something everybody did until I watched something on... Um, <laughs> really? Can you yeah. give us an example? Yeah, ex- so exactly. I, like, what's a happy number and our happy letter? Okay, so a happy number is two. Two is very okay. happy. Sure. Um, she's very happy and, yes. and, and there's a reason like a rationale why? no there's no rational reason like it's just something <laughs> that i feel and like seven is kind of devious mm-hmm. so like scheming. another synesthete could come along and disagree with your assessment <laughs> right. <laughs> right and i didn't realize i thought it was something everybody did until i was in college i think and i was watching some my roommate had good morning america on and i was watching something and it was um this man who i think had autism but i'm not certain about that but he um, learned how to understand other people's behaviors because he also associated feelings with numbers. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, yeah, well, of course, that seems like a thing that obviously this is a thing you would do. And my roommate looked at me and was like, what are you <laughs> talking about? <laughs> And I was like, well, you know, like certain letters and certain numbers, you know, they're happy or they're sad or they're like mean or they have personalities. And she's like, what? What? I mean, look, does that make sense? I've never heard of that. So I'm kind of like this she also. Like, I think you need to go talk to somebody. Right. I, I don't think I do it to the extent that you do. But like as like a writer and editor person, like mm-hmm. I completely understand like what you're saying and coming from. I'm like, yes, absolutely. Like there are like k's and c's and like you know the k the hard letters like yeah yeah those are harsher and like you know there's i yeah. think that what makes a thing happy it's exclamation point <laughs> happy exclamation point and what makes it kind of sad is like a sad smiley face at the end <laughs> <laughs> well like i had yep. heard when i was in um elementary school or high school yeah i was in grade school and um, I had heard somewhere that most people's favorite numbers, or most people's favorite number is seven. Seven. And yep. I was like, why? Seven is so, like, plotting and scheming. Like, how could you have that as your favorite number? I don't know. I, yeah. So, yeah, so... I mean, these are the things. Like, I mean, I also, like, in a writing course, I'm remembering now that I took, like, an online writing course that I signed up to take years ago. Like, one of the things that the instructor said was, like, yeah, that thing that's just super easy for you to do, like, that is extraordinarily hard for a lot of people. Exactly, yeah. And so, I I mean, and the thing is, like, I don't know, like, I guess I never really sit there and think critically about what is it that I don't have a hard time doing? Um, (laughs) Yeah, the thing is, whenever you're, you're, like, in your PhD or you're working towards getting your PhD, you do things and and then you you start learning a lot of things, mm-hmm. you get your skills and you don't you're not really aware that those can be unique to yes. you. And even like it and that of course it varies from person to person. Uh, some but then, like, if you're in a lab, in a big lab, there are certain things that, oh, this one, Amanda will do because she's good with this, you know? Right. Or the other thing, oh, uh, Ian will do this one because he is good with that. So this 
kind of can happen on the micro environment of a lab but when you take the person out of the lab and put it in the real world uh, I feel like it's you feel like oh I don't have any skill I don't know how to yeah. do anything and, and then you're terrified because yeah yeah well, but this is that, why sorry go ahead I was gonna say I think that people have also like along the same lines they have a tendency to discount whatever's easy for them so like yes. when you were saying like Ian is good at this so he'll do that Amanda's good at this so she'll do that and Clady's good at that so she'll do that particular task over there like when you get out in the real world you'll say well yeah but that's that's something that's easy like that's something I do like not yeah, it's a just big a deal. thing it's, it's like just it's a not thing. a big deal right yeah and the thing is like I mean, to this day i struggle to identify like it's like oh yeah i i don't know what i would say is you know that thing for me what's easy for me to do i mean i don't know like i can sit here and say like yeah i'm stubborn and like i can persist like, like <laughs> well okay I, I mean i guess like i mean there are people who might struggle with that i don't know but it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, I don't necessarily give up that easily. And I think that's why, like, sometimes reading stories, like, I mean, I mean, I guess, you know, to some extent, like, all, almost all stories fit into the hero's or heroine's journey narrative somehow. But, like, you know, the classic of things like, you know, The Hobbit, where you take, like, you know, the tiny person who's fish out of water in the wider world and suddenly he's like, oh, yeah, I know how to throw rocks and can kill spiders with them in this context that I'm, you know, it's brand new. Um, but, like, it's like, yeah, I just happened to develop that skill back in the Shire. And, like, yeah, it's happens to apply out here, um, which is good. I mean, you know, like, good storytellers know how to, like, make that seem not seem super contrived. But, um, and arguably Tolkien may have not been great at that. But, because, <laughs> um, really, he cared about the languages, not the narrative necessarily as much. For the character development, yes, but, but is... anyway, but like it's a you know it's an example of like you know why some of those stories might appeal to people in so many why like you know why it's like a it's such a common narrative around the world for humanity like it seems like pretty universal right mm-hmm. um, like I think that is part of that is figuring out it's like oh yeah like I mean I'm not great at this but here's where I am good and here's where my skills do fit and you know like fit this situation and like you know this also come brings up you know like I think it's what Mark Twain's thing about like I forget where the context is but like it's somebody like talking to God or something and or St. Peter maybe at, at the gate and it's like like yeah you know like I was the greatest general ever and it's like no 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 actually that blacksmith is, was the greatest general he just never got the chance to be a general <laughs> it's like oh well, right yeah it's you've got to be in the right situation to be right. able to use those skills right exactly and so you know like to some extent like you know if you do get to be in a place where you get to utilize you know your skills to the maximum ability like you know you are extraordinarily fortunate in this world i think but the thing is like i mean we're all more adaptable and robust than we might think and the skills that we do have like however we end up hitting upon them and identifying like oh yeah this is where I fit, right? This is how I, my abilities fit really well in this situation. Yeah, um, I believe that I talked about this in, uh, in when we talk about how to transform the CV on the resume. Mm-hmm. But I, yes, I it, it absolutely that relates to that. This is kind of a good um, thing to try to identify your skills because 
uh, yes, you, you may sit down with a piece of paper. That might be something. I've never done that, but I don't know. It might work from some for some people. Like, just think out of the blue what you're good at. What I think that is very hard. I, I don't know if I will be able to Oh, I think it's that. extraordinarily hard. Are you <laughs> kidding me? I mean, look, the blank page and having to talk about yourself, like, oh, God. So have, you, have you guys ever read the book or part of the book what color is your parachute so stay with yes. me for a minute oh, i yeah. know it's a super cheesy book but yes it is <laughs> i just wrote a blog post about that oh did you really okay yes i must i maybe the, like i've i read the book last summer and then the because I, I was surprised how many people don't know about the flower exercise because someone mm-hmm. told me recently aiden uh, told me recently about the this and and I made it and I thought it was really cool. Yes. So I talked to I started talking to a lot of people and no one knew what I was talking about. So I went there and I wrote the blog post, kind of like here it is, like here's my flower. Why don't you explain it? Yeah. Since you've got since you've got the right exactly. Um, since you Wait, have the post like, yeah, I, you explain it because that's what yeah, I was about to launch. I'm less familiar with the flower exercise. Yeah, apparently the this book. Uh, what color is what parachute is it was first released in the 70s right. mm-hmm. and and it's been every year it's been released and re-released and it's mainly about to uh look at yourself to know what your strength and what do you want mm-hmm. and and do and then to figure out uh, which career you want to pursue. So I haven't read the book, so that's why I kind of can't say what I know about the flower exercise and what I read in order to do that. I still have to read the book. But they, the flower exercise is, has seven petals, and each one is an aspect of your life that you should look into. And... And it asks questions that you should uh, answer. And then after you're done, you will have the flower and you will have all aspects of your life. And then you combine them in order to look for a job and get the job. Yes. Yeah. And then part of that, the part that is immediately, I think it's right before the pedal exercise. I read it last summer, so I have a hard time remembering but um, to help you with that exercise, you know, because there's the whole idea of like you sit down with a blank sheet of paper and even with the questions that are supposed to be prompts, it can be difficult. He asks you to write about a time in your life where you are, you, I'm going to use very hyperbolic words, but um, triumphed over some difficulty and you're proud of that. And hmm. it's not just a general like, oh, you know, and it doesn't have to be work life. It could be um, in your personal life. It could be the time where you were leading a bunch of people on a camping trip and you realized you were short of food and you figured out how to, you know, arrange it to where everybody got to eat, you know, whatever. But he asks you to write about it in very, um, in detail, like very detailed story. And then you can use that and that, lend some sort of insights into your strengths, some of the skills that you used in order to, say, feed those tons of people and yeah. can be used to help answer those pedal questions. And I think, 
I went through and did the did that exercise and it really helped me see things that I have as strengths that I kind of think of as oh everybody does this right so okay yes not to be a downer on this like I'm gonna be a little bit of so yes okay (laughs) we need you to no no I mean it's a fine book and like I mean another page in that book of like that I forgot about because like, I did read it at one point many years ago, but it's apparently just a page full of no's with a final yes, just being like, yeah, I guess what? And the job path, you're going to find more rejection and you're only getting at one yes. And, you know, that's the way life works. But which, okay. Yes, exactly. But like for the flower exercise and like every single time I've done one of these, like, hey, find your strengths or whatever, like take this survey and quiz. They all come back with things where, like, where I say, okay, great, those are my strengths. None of these apply in the real world that I understand to exist. And, like, I don't understand how these things can possibly bring value to anybody in the world. Right? Like, they're always, like, I always come up with things, like, there's always, like, oh, yeah, you're a great listener, and research, and judicious, and patient, and, like, there's all these things like that, where it's, like, and you're a good researcher, like, well, great, but guess what? Right, I mean, you do have to make that step. But the flower exercise, it's not, it doesn't come up. You come up with your things. Mm -hmm. So you will put things that are, uh real for your real world right you know well i guess yeah. well i mean great listener translates into excellent oral communication right exactly skills. i mean there are like look i mean there's like the identifying of your skills and then there's the how do you figure out how to frame them and figure out how to apply them oh yeah that's a whole other oh story. yeah did you guys see that twitter did you guys see that twitter feed um the other week where the With, guy was um, like talking about like he was like yeah taking people's academic skills and translating them into like the business world or whatever into, yeah into resume cv speak yes. i think that's really kind of the missing i'll um i'll link to it in the show notes yes often it can be sorry i've got a podcat who's you know Aww. Sitting here. Um, <laughs> i think that niles wants to join our podcast yes. well mostly he's looking for like a place to scratch his ears um <laughs> anyway but, yes but yes i, I mean think i do that, think that's uh, difficult well it's a cat scratching his ears, that that's a skill easy. that he has developed. He can find <laughs> lots of places. Excellent feline relations. Um, to do that. <laughs> Get paid yeah, attention to. I remember feline because skill. I... Um, <laughs> demanding attention. Sorry. Okay. But, yes. Go ahead. Uh, I probably... My idea was like, okay... I'm going to try to do the flower exercise with the things that I read. Uh, you can read several posts on on the internet about which petal and what aspect you have to put in mind. Uh, and as I thought, oh, I'm going to then read the book and then I'm going to do it again with book. So then see the mm-hmm. difference. Mm-hmm. So that was my my idea. And I I probably should order the book. <laughs> but uh, for me. I remember it took me like about a month, I think, mm-hmm. to do my flower. Uh, I read everything and I understood everything, but it was so hard, even with that. 
with that little guidance. She's like, think about this and put it like in, in short words and words and put it there. It was, it was really tough. And I don't know if that, um, helped. I think that it does help some things like, where do you want to live? That kind of, um, mm -hmm. narrows down if you want to move or if you, then you just start looking for jobs in that particular area. Uh, about the skills, uh, I don't know. You cannot do the, the ideal thing would you like, would be to do a cloud, uh, a work cloud yeah. of your skills and the, and the job ad mm -hmm. and compare both. But I don't, I don't really know how to do that. And to be honest, I don't have time to work so deep it, because this is like, uh, this is a lot of work. I think, mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I think so. Like it takes a lot of, takes a lot of time to be able to do that. Right. And there's also yeah. things like, I mean, you don't have to do like the flower. Like there's also like things like mind maps and flow charts that you can like, I do sometimes do things like that. And I guess, you know, like you really do have to let these things breathe. And like, I guess they would come back to this point, you know, though, where I started with, um, Ira Glass, not understanding a skill that he had until, you know, many years after he, was just doing it right being like oh well that's and a also, skill i think that some skills some skills also they can develop oh with for the sure eye. of course they can you might not be you 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 might be like okay i i'm i can't you can say like i can do that mm -hmm. i don't know if i will be i'm not the expert i'm not the best but i can do that and and then later on you start developing and you get better and better. So right. yeah, I'm so I'm reading Cal Newport's book, um, "So Good They Can't Ignore You" right now, mm -hmm. which has sort of the opposite philosophy as "What Color Is Your Parachute," but I think that they kind of work together fairly fairly well because so far I'm about two thirds of the way through um, Newport's thesis is not to follow your passion but gain career capital in whatever field you want to be in so you can eventually um be happy in your position yeah so i've made it sound very depressing but it's not the way it is like it's mostly <laughs> like um the one of his early examples is somebody who wanted to become a television writer or a writer for a television show and so the guy didn't immediately start with working on a TV show. He took some jobs adjacent to it. He took another job that was an assistant that would help him see what people were looking for in um, TV writers. He started writing lots of scripts and yeah. getting feedback and eventually being able to get up enough to where he um, worked on a nationally televised program. Um, and it seemed like an overnight success. Right, it seemed like an overnight success, except for, you know, it took five years to get to that point. Right, exactly. Like, I mean, because, like, I mean, let's, like, forget, like, you know, like, I mean, Ira Glass was, you know, like, I don't know, like, he was an obscure radio producer for years right. before. Ira Glass was one of his, um, yeah. was one of his examples in the book. Yeah. Yeah, the thing is, we, we just, we tend to just see, and it goes together with things that we talked in the past. When people... Uh, tell their success story they say like hey we're going to do this we did this i did this and then here i am super successful right. 
and then I got turned up to eleven all of a sudden. Easy and straightforward. Right. Yeah. yeah, and one of the things that I thought worked, and so um, Cal Newport kind of denigrates, well, disagrees heavily with what colors my parachute. But the thing where I feel like they work nicely together is that with doing the exercises on what colors my parachute or any sort of those strengths finders, it kind of gave me idea of, okay, these are my strengths. And then I was looking at what field I wanted to go into. And I was like, these are the things I need in order to be successful in that field. So it gave Mm -hmm. me kind of like a, okay, this is how I market myself or position myself when I'm trying to get this type of job. And then at, at the same time, I need to be looking to strengthen this, that, or the other thing. And that's also kind of what Ira Glass did is that he knew he wanted to, you know, move up in radio. So he's, at least according to Cal Newport, I've not listened to um, the turnaround. Yeah. But um, I mean, it's, it, it's good. Like, I mean, it, like, I mean, literally, they're not talking about how Ira Glass came up. Like, they're just talking, like, it's talking about how Ira Glass knows how to interview people. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, and that would be a skill that he honed because he wanted Absolutely to do that. And, like, is. the editing and being able to edit in his right. head, that was something that he realized was a valuable skill that he had a bit of a talent in, but he but he developed it. That he developed. Like, I mean, like, he didn't necessarily, yeah. He, like, that's not something that was innate. Like, I mean, he... Right. Working, like, working at NPR behind the scenes as a producer for years is where he figured that out. And I think that transferable skills can kind of work the same way is that you can think about, okay, this is what I have in academia and I need to hone this a bit better to move into this particular field. Like I need to work on this particular skill right right now. So, right. So like the thing that tempers this for me a little bit is like Ira Glass's father apparently was a broadcaster, but like unbeknownst to Ira Glass apparently for decades, like Ira Glass went into radio before because it was like... I, I forget how exactly he didn't, but, like, how this didn't come up earlier in his life. But, like, um, you know, it's like, it was just, like, a couple of years in his dad's life, I guess, where he's like, yeah, I was on the radio <laughs> um, as a broadcaster. And so, like, sometimes you hear the stories, like, it's like, well, okay, so of course. Like, you know what I mean? Like, of course that person ended up in radio because, well, guess what? Their parents did that. Um, even... Yeah, so I think that one... one type of strategy will be to look at yourself to identify the skills that you have and see where you can fit yes the other will be um look at yourself and think about where you want to go what where you want to be and then see which skills you need someone needs to get there and then you compare both and you adjust so you can see which skill you feel you're not that good and you try to develop and improve. Mm-hmm. Right. That would be kind of a good um, way to think about it. Yes, I think that's a good way of thinking about it. And being in academia, like before you transition out, um, it is a you have a lot of resources to be able to work on those particular skills. Um, yes. Like if you have... If you're looking for editing experience, there are faculty members around you who need editing or would be happy to take you up on some editing work. Um, Right. If you're looking into going into some sort of like consulting thing, the business college probably has something that you can do or at least people you can talk to. Right. And there's like, you know, like you're developing coding. Yeah. You're volunteering. Like there's. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, if you want to get good at something very technical, like, that is, I mean, potentially possible also. 
Like, you know, I mean, there is... And I feel like it's good to get uh, to get a adjacent uh, position as well. Yes. Because mm-hmm. it's tough sometimes if you want to jump, like, right out of academia to something that is highly specific and then you don't have any experience on paper. So then uh, it's tough. Yes. So you might want to know where you want to go and instead of uh, trying to get there because it's going to be a lot of rejection and super tough then you can try to get from the side mm-hmm. and and then move yeah laterally yeah and that's kind of how that tv writer um in cal newport's book did is that he took a job with um the national lampoon's website and then he took an assistant to a i think it was a tv producer and then um, because he was an assistant to the producer, he was able to gain entry into the writer's room to be able to talk to the writers and get feedback and pitch short ideas. And so from there, he was able to get somebody to collaborate with him. And so it was just kind of kept being this stepwise sort of thing. So he didn't you know, apply to become a TV writer right off the bat. He took that kind of sideways route. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, because like, I think that's often the case, right? That it's... You know, like, it, very much a winding road, not a straight one to getting to the career path that you want, which I think is something that we pro- probably harped on and said before um, in previous episodes of this podcast. Um, you know, it's like, you know, it's like, I didn't envision, like, you know, like, the current job that I have, like, it just sort of has evolved over the years. And, like, you know, the guy who ran the company that I work for now, like, found me on Twitter and... I did some stuff for them a couple of years ago, did some stuff for them the last couple of months. Now I'm basically going to be full time there for the foreseeable future. Um, and I'm learning, you know, the, I'm learning more about it, the job than, you know, I could have doing it remotely for sure. Just because, you know, yeah. Anyway. Um, being face to face. Yeah. Being face to face basically. And at the place, like you have more access to stuff. Like, you know what I mean? That, you know, something to be aware of if anyone runs a business is security of your software, IT property. And, you know, you don't want to just like give any person on the internet access or potentially like opening up back doors to your, you know, core software. So anyway, <laughs> unsolicited advice about being an entrepreneur um, in the modern world. And yeah, so who knows? Maybe now after, I don't know, after a couple of years, you have your own company and you... Yeah. Right, exactly. Well, the thing is, who like, knows? I mean, that's something that I feel like is something that I have sort of developed already, right? A little bit is, like, not everyone goes out and starts their own science blog. Like, I, I mean, sure, like, I mean, yes, I realize there are millions of them out there. But, like, you know, like, not everyone goes to the trouble of buying the domain and at least sort of working on a branding plan and like is working to actually you know like be serious about it and trying to figure out like you know how do i tell compelling stories that aren't necessarily newsworthy but are still interesting right because like i'm not like i'm not a newspaper you know what also longevity yeah exactly a lot of people might start science blogs and then never do anything with them or post a couple right. of times and, and stop. Continue. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and I'm trying to be regular about it, and it's extraordinarily hard to do. Like, as I, I mean, I'm trying to focus on quality, not quantity. But again, like these are the skills that you develop. Like the thing is, like the writing is almost the least of it in a lot of ways. Like to me, 
at this point like i don't know why that is and like maybe i've just tapped into something that has been latent for years it's like oh yeah i should have been writing a lot more for many more decades than i have been um but like the writing is the least of it to me at this point like the blank page doesn't really scare me like something will get filled in there and like i can sort of link the ideas together and make it interesting and of course like i can't do it all on my own usually like editors help but like you know i mean it's this thing of like yeah i've learned how to craft a story to some extent yeah, yeah. you had the initial skill and then you right and so like that's and, the least of it you like proved. you know like the thing that takes time is research and making sure you have the right. thing correct and like making sure like you know what i mean it's just like making sure you have your ducks in a row <laughs> like to put the thing together that you're like you know like, yeah this is the thing that initially got me peaked to write this but then you know and obviously some things are faster than others but like it is a real skill to like you know pull something together like that like it's not it is it is a very you know what I mean? Like, so, like, I admire prolific bloggers a lot. And, like, I'm wondering, like, where do they find the time to do this? And, like, do they not worry so much about, as much about, you know, like, the research and background and doing ten times as much research as... Oh, you don't know how long actual the stuff that. that ends up in the page? No, well, I mean, no, you don't. But, like, I mean, just thinking of people who, like, just, like, it's like, oh, yeah, I write a post every single week. And it's like, well, great. I mean, good for you, and that's amazing. Like, I wish I was that prolific, but I'm not. Um, and maybe I should be less ambitious. I don't know in my stories that I want, I think about telling. But anyway, this is like an aside. But like, you know, it does apply to transferable skills, right? Of figuring mm -hmm. out like, but like again, like you know, so like I have this entrepreneurial streak in me a little bit of like, yeah, let's go for this and see what happens and watch what grows and you know. Um, yeah, like, you know, it's like, it's sort of, you know, this guiding post of, like, building my internal flower of, like, you know, I don't write it out, but, like, I have trying to, like, figure out, it's like, okay, where does I, where do I fit? And, like, you know, like, I don't feel like I'm quite a weed, but, like, you know, I'm more like an orchid. I need, like, fairly <laughs> particular places to grow um, and do well. Yeah. Parameters. Conditions. Yeah. But then I'm good once, like, I find those, right? Mm -hmm. So, anyway. Um, yeah, do anyone have any last thoughts before we wrap up? Like, I think this is a good discussion, like, even if, you know, we can't necessarily help you identify specifically what your transferable skills are, because, you know, like, some things just come up, like, you just don't know our skills until you realize, yeah, suddenly you understand that, like, oh, that's my yourself. ability, like, not everyone can do that, and, like, maybe something we should advise people is to look out for those kinds of things, and, like, be aware of, like, when something just says like oh wait like i'm seeing somebody not do this very well and like this is something that like i just don't even think twice about doing like make note of those kinds of moments where like he's like oh this is something that i am skilled in and it may be something minor or something major or anywhere in between but i think you know becoming aware of what the skills you have and like i think this is a real failure of academia it's just like yeah you're a research monkey like you know like that's your skill pipetting sorry i'm i'm miming pipetting <laughs> yeah. too <laughs> lady on the yeah. um skype call uh you know it's a lot more there's more than that to it right it's just you know like noticing that noticing yeah. those moments like yes. i think that's good advice and like keeping track of it somehow whether it's a flower and what color your parachute or a notebook or something of just 
and catalog those things because those are your skills that you can translate into you know other new fields potentially um as you develop your career and like again some skills are going to come up like oh i didn't know that was a skill until now like in this very moment years later when i should have understood it was a skill many years ago maybe but um that's just life so i guess be good observers like that's what scientists and phds tend to do so yeah that's our uh, sign off yes and um yeah so thank you for listening as always and uh, we'll see you next time on the Recovering Academic Podcast. Bye. Bye. See you next time. See you next time. This week's Recovering Academic is sponsored by Scientific Dispatches Consulting, an editorial service for scientists. They specialize in helping you tell your research story clearly and concisely. Scientific Dispatches offers consulting, editing, writing, and presentation preparation services. You can find out more and schedule a free consultation at scientificdispatches.com. Thanks for listening to the Recovering Academic Podcast. Our music is from bensound.com under a Creative Commons license. If you like our podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. This helps other people find out about us. You can tweet the show at recoveringacad. You can also find all of the hosts on Twitter. I'm at LadyScientist. I'm at Dr. Underscore PMS. And I'm at IH Street. We're also on Facebook. You can find us at facebook.com slash Recovering Academic Podcast. You can find all of our episodes and subscribe to our newsletter on our website at recoveringacademic.net. And don't forget, there is sunshine outside the ivory tower.